let's put our hands together for the Lord. Praise God. I am honored to bring to this pulpit tonight a young man that started attending this church here just a few years ago. And it wasn't too many years prior to that that he actually began to live for God. The Lord has obviously put a great anointing on him. He's a wonderful uh, praise singer, leader. God has used him in other areas. He is faithful. He is a hard worker. He is a servant to the kingdom. And he is submitted to the authority that's over him. Will you welcome to this pulpit Aaron Rob? I've, I've been introducing Broom. I introduced the wrong guy. No, I don't want to introduce this guy. No, you you come first, Aaron. That's all right. But hold on. Stay where you at, son. I'm sorry. That's pastor. I have the right to do this. So I'm going to bring to this pulpit a young man that better get it all right and keep it all in line. And I want to tell you, I've watched him grow up from a, a little bit of, well, he never was little, but when he was younger. I watched the boy grow up, incredible attitude, the heart of a servant to the king, serves ministry, he's respectful to his parents, he honors his elders in the house of God, and he has served this ministry without question for quite a few years now. I could not be more proud to introduce anyone to this pulpit then Aaron Rob. Will you will you welcome Aaron Rob? Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. If you would turn into your Bibles to the book of Philippians, chapter one, starting in verse six. Uh, we've been tasked tonight to talk about the topic of walking with God. And a lot of times I think there's a misconception there because most people from the outside looking in. You know, they, you know, you go to church every once in a while, you give your offering, and, and everything's just going to be sunshine and rainbows. But on the contrary, uh, the Bible says in the book of Psalms that many are the afflictions of the righteous. And that's a true statement, but the statement that's made after that is even more true. It says, the Lord delivereth him out of them all. Every trial, every tribulation. Philippians chapter 1 and verse 6 says, being confident of this very thing. That he which hath begun a good work in you will, per will perform it until the day of Christ Jesus. Come on, can we just lift our hands one more time and just say a word of prayer. Lord, we love you, Jesus. God, we ask, Lord, you would come in this place, Lord. Lord, you would speak to our hearts and our minds, Lord. Won't you encourage us today, God? Won't you edify today, Lord? God, won't you use me, Lord, today? In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen, amen. Before you're seated, why don't you go ahead and turn to your neighbor and just tell them to trust the process. Just turn to your neighbor and tell them to trust the process. I don't know about you, but I'm a, I'm a big picture kind of guy. And I don't know if it's just me, but uh, anyone else in here bad with the small details? With the small details. I, I will have these really big ideas that will oftentimes get lost in meticulous planning. And it, it honestly happens all the time. Every few weeks I catch this really, really cool vision of this specimen that I'm going to create inside the gym. 
and then, you know, I'm going to have, you know, the six-pack abs and the bulging biceps. You know, I'm going to be throwing up 300 pounds, no, not a problem, the whole nine yards. And then, you know, I go to the gym maybe once or twice, and I jump on a scale, and, you know, I quickly realize that the struggle is real. And if you want to see any, you know, if you want to see any long-lasting change, you might want to not eat McDonald's, right? Or you, or you might want to maybe do some cardio, maybe go for a run every once in a while. And the problem is, uh, if, if I'm not careful with the small details, I'll encounter this same problem spiritually. See, I was 14 when I felt God calling me into the ministry, not knowing what all that entails. I, I can remember uh, having dreams at night about preaching to large crowds. I was young, but I felt God wanted to do something special in my life, and he did want to. I remember going, uh, you know, having these special encounters in the presence of God where I would go back to school convinced that God was going to save every one of my classmates, and he wanted to. I would leave these conferences determined that my prayer life was going to be consistent, and God was calling me to go deeper. And the, the fact of the matter is he was calling me to. The problem was when the window of opportunity came to preach and the decision was made to stay quiet in fear of what people might think or, or knowing that God wanted to save my school and dealing with the rejection of my peers who just weren't interested in serving God. Or how about the times where, where you're, you're navigating the fact that you want to go deeper in God, but you have to learn to deny yourself every day and pick up your cross. Because, all the, because oftentimes going deep in the Lord is not the easiest task. It's not that in these moments I didn't believe God could do it, but oftentimes it was the burden or, or the dream or the commission that would get lost in the wind and in the waves. See, in Matthew chapter 14, we find Jesus having a conversation with his disciples after a long day that concluded with Jesus, you know, feeding the 5,000. And it went something like this. You know, he's talking. He's like, you guys go ahead and get in the boat and just start sailing and go to the other side. And that's all he really told them. And, you know, he stayed behind and he, you know, he, he put the crowd, he sent the multitude away and he took a little bit of a detour through the mountains. And by the time he finally caught up with the rest of his disciples, right, he's walking on the water. We know the story. You know, he finds them in the middle of this giant storm. In this giant storm. And, you know, the winds are beating against the boat and the waves. And, and a moment, you know, a, a boat ride that started with a vision of just making it to the other side turned into a moment of struggling just to stay afloat. Disciples, the, the thing that the disciples didn't get, the, the, the thing that they need to understand is that if God called them to go to the other side, it didn't matter how big the waves were. It didn't matter how strong the wind was because God said when God said go to the other side, it meant he was going to provide a way for them to get to the other side. There is no storm that this life could throw at you that is strong enough to stop God's plan for your life. Every promise, every blessing, every calling, God's going to finish what he started. And if you believe God has called you to do something, you better believe it because uh, if, if he, he wouldn't have, you better have confidence in it. Because if he, he wouldn't have called you if he didn't have confidence in you to do it. He wouldn't have called you in the first place if he didn't already equip you, if he didn't already put the tools in you. Right? If he didn't believe in you, he wouldn't, have, he wouldn't have quit those disciples to go across the sea if he didn't believe they could make it to the other side. The Israelites, the Israelites find themselves in a similar predicament because God was giving them the promised land. The time was come, you know, and it was, it was the, the time was come, God was going to give it to them. And, uh, you know, they just all they had to do was go out and, and claim what God gave them. 
And Moses sends out the 12 spies to go and claim the land. And, you know, they come back with this, with this report that, listen, this land is everything that God said it was going to be. The, you know, the, the land that flows with milk and honey. You know, it, it was every, it's a beautiful land. This is indeed what God was talking about. You see, the problem with this land is that uh, 10 of them believe that the process of them acquiring this land was a little too difficult for them to, to, for them to acquire. The process, the, the things they would have to done to go about to get this land that God had already given them, that God had already promised them, was a little bit too daunting for them. You see, it would have been easier, in their minds, it would have been easier for them to go back to Egypt, right, than to enter into what God had for them. See, God, I really wanted to have that prayer life you wanted for me, but, you know, and God, God I, I, I know you called me to a mission field, but... God, I know you wanted me to sacrifice more, but uh, God, don't you see the wind and, and don't you see the waves? And God, what you're calling me to give up, what? God, don't you see how, how tall these giants are? So we abandon the greater things that God has for us, right? And we give up on the big picture because we get lost in the process of what it takes to get there. Psalms 37 and verse 23 tells us this. It says, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. So not only do we submit our steps to God, but we, are, we, are, uh, we delight in those steps. No matter what comes in that path. And, and this serves as a challenge more often than not because his thoughts are not our thoughts, and his ways are not, are not our ways. Right, And so, uh, and yet we need to delight in these ways. That means that if I'm called to walk after God, there's going to be times when it might not make sense to me, the ways in which I should walk. It's, it's hard to delight in something that, uh, that, you know, it's hard to delight in a way that's not your own. And so, and so there are some places, or I'm sorry, uh, so, so we're called to delight in his ways, and and, and yes, there will be times where it's green pastures and, and still waters, and it's, it's really easy to delight in those ways. But there's also going to be times when you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. And, and I believe that there are some people here right now who may find themselves in the middle of the, the valley of the shadow of death, right? Where, where you're trying to walk after God, but the devil's been fighting you, and, and, and the wind's been blowing, and the waves are rising up, and you're just trying to delight in his ways. But God, it's so hard when the, the shadow of death is looming all around. And God, I I really want to follow after you, but God, uh, I'm, life is just so busy, God. I want to have that prayer life. God, but God, the papers are, are in the bills, God, and, and, and the kids, God, and my marriage, God. And God, I don't know what's going I can't do it all by myself. You see, Paul finds himself in the, in the valley of the shadow of death more than a few times. 2 Corinthians chapter 11 Verse 24, and I'm, I'm coming to a close, I promise. Verse 24 says, five times I received at the hands of the Jews the 40 lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods, once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys in danger from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, danger from the sea, danger from false brothers, in, in toil and hardship through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. And apart from other things, there is this daily pressure on me of my anxiety for the churches. 
But in Romans chapter 8, he says it like this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to the slaughter. No, in all things, we are more than conquerors. Through him who loved us, for I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present or things, nor powers, nor height, nor death, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God. Listen, I'm telling you right now that the winds may be blowing, and the storms, and there may be sleepless nights, right? And there may be times where you just don't feel like serving God, and there might be times where I don't feel like praying, I don't feel like reading, but listen, just hold on a little longer because God's going to finish that work in you. God's going to bring you through that storm. God's going to bring you to the other side. Come on, you just got to keep serving him. You just got to keep believing him that he's going to finish that work in the name of Jesus. Oh, let's stand to our feet and clap our hands. What a word of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for that word, oh God. Thank you for that word. I love what he said. Don't let the wind and the waves cause you to lose your vision on Jesus Christ. Don't let the troubles of the walk cause you to lose what God has called you to do and called you to be. Will you welcome to this pulpit? I've already introduced him. Would you welcome to this pulpit Chance Broom? Come on, buddy. We love you, man. If you would, turn to the Bible in the book of Matthew, chapter 16, and uh, verse 24 through 26. Um, while, while, I'm, while I'm talking tonight, I want to ask you this one simple question. How will you follow? Um, verse 24, then Jesus said unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever ever will sh save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profiteth if he shall gain the whole world and lose his soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? God, I praise you right now. God, I pray that you would prepare our hearts. God, prepare our minds. God, to receive what you have in store for us today. In the name of Jesus, you may be seated. When we make the decision to live for God and turn from our sinful ways, we make the decision to quit living for ourselves. Um, in verse 24, Jesus states, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Jesus tells us here that there is a price that we have to pay, and that price is sacrifice. In Mark, uh, Mark 10 and 21, then Jesus beholding him loved, loved him and said unto him, one thing thou lackest, go thy way. Sell whatsoever thou hast, and give it to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure, treasure in the earth, and come, take up your cross, and follow me. Here in Mark, Jesus is also telling us that there has got to be a personal sacrifice before we can follow him. We know the rest of the story. The man went away grieved and distraught in his spirit because he was not willing to sell everything. He was not willing to give himself up. He was too caught up in, the, in worldly gain, in worldly treasure. He was too worried about his own selfish desire 
to submit himself totally and completely to the will of God. Most of us are not as stubborn as this young man. He couldn't and wouldn't sacrifice anything, but we allow God to have some of us. God, you can have a part of me, but I'm going to hang on to this part. God, I'll give you my talents, but I'm going to hang on to my finances because I, I need my finances. I'll go to church on Sunday. I'll, I'll give you Sunday, but throughout the week, I'm too busy to pray. I'm too busy to sit down and commune with you. See, sorry, God desires for us to trust him with all of us, not just certain parts of us. Revelation 3, verse uh, 15, I know thy works, thou art neither cold nor hot. I would thou wert cold or hot. So then because thou art lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spew you out of my mouth. God wants us to give him all of us. I want to go back to chapter uh, Mark uh, 16 and verse 26. For what is a man profiteth if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? I want to take the next couple of minutes to put into perspective two individuals in the Bible who both followed Jesus Christ. One followed Christ with his entire heart, with reckless abandon to completely sacrifice himself and give all for the sake of the cross. The other did not. He followed Christ, but he never did grasp that Christ, Jesus Christ, was the treasure of the world. He was only focused on what he could profit from Jesus. Matthew 16 and, oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Uh, okay. Um, Peter, Peter gave up his life as a fisherman to follow Christ. He trusted in Jesus so much that in the midst of the storm, he stepped out of the boat and followed Christ. Um, Peter followed Jesus because he had a revelation of who Jesus was. Matthew 16 and 16 says, And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. When the high priest came and apprehended Jesus, all the others fled, while Peter followed from afar. Peter never stopped following Jesus Christ. Judas, on the other hand, followed Jesus because of the miracles he had performed. Judas only cared about what he could receive from Jesus. Judas was just like the rich young ruler who was so caught up in worldly gain that he could not sacrifice anything else to follow Christ. So much to the point that he sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. The man that he had followed for years prior, the Messiah, he betrayed for just a small worldly treasure. He surrendered his eternal reward for temporal satisfaction. Matthew 27 verse 3, Then Judas, which had betrayed him, when he saw that he was condemned, repented himself and brought again the 30 pieces of silver to the chief priests and the elders, saying, I have sinned in that I have betrayed the innocent blood. And they said, what is this to us, thou to that? And he cast down the 30 pieces of silver in the temple and departed and went and hanged himself. If Judas would have truly followed Christ, then he would have found his way back to the feet of Jesus. He, he would have repented to Jesus instead of repenting to the high priest, instead of repenting to himself. How often do we do the same thing when we make mistakes? 
we allow sin to creep into our lives, how often do we allow condemnation to destroy us? And we decide to take matters into our own hands, and we cut off ourselves from the source of life. We quit trusting in God, and we, for, we, forget, we forget that God can and will take away our sin. And we allow spiritual death to occur in our lives. Peter, like Judas, turned his back on Christ. In Luke twenty-two fifty-four, it gives us the account of how Peter turned his back on Jesus. After following Jesus into the city, Peter was accused of being with Jesus, being a follower of Jesus. And Peter quickly denied these accusations. This happens on two more occasions. And Peter says, Peter says, no, I, I'm not with him. When Peter realized what he had done, he immediately felt remorse. But Peter didn't throw in the towel. He didn't, he didn't allow what he had done to produce condemnation. In John 21, 15, it's the account of Peter repenting for denying Christ. Here in the book of John, Jesus asked after his resurrection, Peter, lovest thou me? On three different times. And Peter said, Lord, you know that I love you. Peter, although he had made a mistake, he kept his faith in Jesus Christ by making the sacrifice to continue to follow Jesus Christ. John 21 and 19, this spake he signifying by what death should glorify God. And when he spake this, he saith unto him, follow me. Peter continued to follow Christ even after he had made the mistake before because he knew that Jesus Christ is his salvation. Micah 7 and 8 says, Rejoice not against me, O my enemy, for when I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord will be the light unto me. Romans 3 and 23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I want to ask you again, how will you follow? Will you allow God, will you follow God with your whole heart, giving him all of you, knowing that when you fall, Jesus will be there to pick you up? Because you have given your life to Christ, he wants to take away your life of sin. He wants to wash you white as snow. Romans 5 and 20 says, but where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Judas did not truly know the saving grace of Jesus Christ. He thought that he had done, that what he had done was so bad that he did not qualify to receive forgiveness. But that's not the case. Satan tries to make us believe that same lie. But Jesus wants to set you free from a life of sin. He is just waiting on you to make the first step to sacrifice your life. Take up your cross and follow him. Come on, let's rise to our feet. Let's worship the Lord. Thank you for that word, God. Thank you for that word. Somebody say, follow him fully. If you'll follow him fully, then you can walk through the storm, the waves and the wind, and keep your eyes on Jesus when you give him all. Awesome, guys. Let's stand to our feet. Our last young man that is coming, Petru Delagaza. He came into this church four years ago, five years ago. Going on four years, not even quite four years ago. Prayed through to the Holy Ghost. Got baptized in Jesus' name. Hung around us for a couple of years. Then he left and went off to Urshan Bible School. I remember right before he left, 
First time he ever spoke in this pulpit. And I think I wasn't here, though. I think I saw it on video. Yeah, I wasn't here. I saw it on video. And I can remember watching him on video and shaking my head and asking myself the question, what on God's earth is that? <laughs> Love that guy. He went away for a couple of years, and he came back. And I remember just a couple of months ago, this young man stepped into this same pul pulpit. And I'm telling you, you could have closed your eyes, and you would have thought that a seasoned evangelist was ministering in this pulpit. God has done a quick work in this young man's life, and he has done it swiftly because he has surrendered himself. He sacrificed a lot to walk with God, gave up a potential career in the world, uh, potentially to, to make a lot of money, but he has fallen in love with Jesus Christ. We have heard from two fine young men, and we're going to hear from another fine young man here tonight. Will you welcome Petru Delagaza to this pulpit? Praise the Lord, everybody. As usual, I'll start my timer before I get kicked out. <laughs> Turning your attention to Psalms 86, verses 8 through 12. Psalms 86, verses 8 through 12. Among the gods there is none like unto thee, O Lord, and neither are there any works like unto thy works. All nations whom thou hast made shall come and worship before thee, O Lord, and shall glorify thy name. For thou art great, everybody say great, and doest wondrous things, thou art God alone. Teach me thy way, O Lord, I will walk in thy truth. Unite my heart to, thy, to fear thy name. I will praise thee, O Lord my God, with all my heart, and I will glorify thy name forevermore. Verses 8 through 10 is a recognition of God's greatness, wonder, and might. Verses 11 and 12 is a response to it. I want to preach for the next couple moments God's greatness and man's response. God's greatness and man's response. God, we love you. We just ask you that you would sweep in this place, God. Move my, anoint my lips, Lord, let me speak with edification on my lips, and let me speak faith and encouragement. In Jesus' name, amen. And you may be seated. I looked up in Webster's Dictionary what great meant. Great is an adjective to mean large in size or big in number. But then it says underneath those two definitions, remarkable in magnitude, degree, and effectiveness. Can I stand here tonight and tell you that you and I follow a great God? I simply want to tell you that it says in multiple times in scriptures that great is the Lord and greatly is he to be praised. His greatness is un unsearchable. It's unmeasurable. For the Lord is great and he's greatly to be praised. He is feared above all other gods. I need to tell you tonight that you and I follow a great God. I need to tell you that you and I 
God defines great. He is the great I am. He is the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. He sits up on the throne alone. He is the one true everlasting God. He is not leaving the throne. God's throne is not in trouble tonight. He's still ruling this morning. He's still ruling tonight. And when you wake up in the morning, he's still going to be ruling. He's great, and I want to grab a hold of his greatness because I want to follow him. Allow me to say from the outset of this message that before you and I could ever desire, yearn, or seek after God, it is first God that desires to have a relationship with us. As Pastor alluded to Sunday, he stole it from my message. We did not find God. God found us. We must grab a hold tonight that following God is the greatest thing that you and I can do in this last time. Being a part of the church is the greatest thing that you and I can do. But the church is not a place of bondage. It's not a place where rules are regulated. It's a place where I can come and experience his greatness. Every time I walk through those doors, I'm reminded of the grace that found me. I'm reminded of the mercy that found me. I'm reminded that my sins were washed. I'm reminded that God is great and I want to worship him. I want to follow him. I want to do everything that he wants me to do. I need God to continue to be a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Each day I wake up, I recognize, Lord, I need you. I need you in this situation. It doesn't matter what happens. You and I will never get to a place where we can just flow with God. Us being in church is simply a response to God's love shown on Calvary. Us being here tonight to lift up hands and praise and worship is us declaring to God that he is powerful, almighty, all-knowing, and, all, and, and everything that he is. He is king of kings and lord of lords. How many of us can say if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, I don't know where I'd be. I don't know where I'd be if God's grace didn't find me. I don't know if that where I'd be if God's love did not pour out. I don't know where I'd be, but I know that I'm bought with a price. I know that we are loved with an everlasting love that will not fail. I know that he'll never leave me nor forsake me. I need you to know how, go, how great your God is. Chapter 1 of Genesis shows how great he is. Took God's power to make something out of nothing. Took God's wisdom to put order in that. What am I saying? He put the mountains in the perfect place. He put the trees and the rocks and the rivers and the valleys, everything in the perfect place. I'm telling you tonight that everything that you've gone through in your life has been ordained and orchestrated from the Lord. It has not been to send you harm, but it's been there to send you faith. It's been there to allow you to grow. It's been there to allow you to witness the greatness of our great God. The second half of that scripture is our response. Teach me, O oh Lord. I recognize your greatness. I recognize everything that you are. Every time I open up your word, you're there. You're speaking to me. Every sentence, every comma, every period, I'm witnessing. I'm reading your greatness. I'm reading everything that you've done. I'm, I'm reading the grace you showed Israel. I'm reading the plan for salvation. I'm reading everything because I know you're great. 
But God's greatness and power requires sacrifice and abandonment to ourselves in this world and flesh. We must be a be. We must allow God to be able to direct every step of our life. Though Jesus had talents and abilities, he felt submission to the one goal on earth which he came to do. And though we have talents and abilities, we must understand that the greatest thing we can do is follow the Lord. I know that he's given us stuff, but I know that I want to use that stuff to bring glory to him, to allow his name to be great. Because I know it's not by might and it's not by power, but it's by God's spirit. It's by God's spirit that I'm standing here tonight. It's by God's love. It's by God's hand. It's by God's mercy that I'm able to stand here and worship him. Because I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth. I need to say something tonight. Woo. I'm about to get personal. I'm blessed. Came back from a great job. Have a great job. Spent two years at Bible college. Gave $30,000. Walked away with a piece of paper that says, I know theology. I'm thankful for it. I really am. But I need to tell you something in front of this church. You guys have loved me. You guys have cared for me. I need to tell you that the greatest desire that I can do in my life at 22 years old, going on four years living in church, is to worship him, is to follow him. When I went to Bible college, I felt like God impressed on my spirit and my heart the calling to be a pastor. But I know that that calling is coming to pass. I know that I'm going to continue to walk steadfast, submit to spiritual authority, allow God to use me, allow God to work with me. People come up to me and say, you want to be a pastor? How's that going to come to pass? Easy, but I'm walking by faith and not by sight. I'm walking by what I know. And what I know is that if God has started a work in you, he's able to, he's faithful to perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. I want to let you know that everything that you can do in your life, just stay faithful. Follow. Allow God to be the leader. Allow God to work in your life. I'm closing. I'm closing. Man, when I ran through this message earlier, it was at 11 minutes. We're only at nine and a half. My word. I got three more. Verse 12 of Psalms 86 says this. Where's my first page? I will praise thee, O Lord my God, with all my heart. That's after I recognize your greatness and after you teach me. I'm going to worship you and give everything that I have to you. But then it says, I will glorify thy name forevermore. Forevermore. When I recognize God's greatness and when I follow him after that's done and I recognize the greatness and I recognize the hand that he's had on my life after following him, I'm going to stand here. If it had not been for the Lord, 
I'm following you, God, only because I know that you are God and that you are God alone. I'm recognizing your greatness tonight in this world, and I'm recognizing that, God, you are still working. You have not stopped working from the throne. You are still working. You are still listening to my prayers. You are still recognizing that I have needs in my life, and you're going to answer them. You're going to answer them because why? I've decided to follow you. I've decided to give everything to you. I've decided that there's nothing in this world that can separate me from your love, from your grace, from your power. I want to give everything to you. I want to recognize your greatness and follow after it. Come on, let's stand to our feet and worship that great God this young man just preached about. Lord, we love you, we praise you, we adore you, we magnify your name. It's awesome to be in your presence, oh God. Come on, lift him up, lift him up. Praise him, magnify him. Is he great in your sight? Is he great in your eyes? Do you see him as that great God, that incredible God, that wonderful God? Woo! I want to tell you the amazingness of these three young men that spoke tonight. Is you can actually go backwards through their messages. That if you can see God great, then you will follow him fully. And if you see him great and you follow him fully, you will walk through the winds and through the waves to get to him. Wow. What messages. Oh, come on. Let's give it up to the Lord. Thank you for anointing these young men, God. Thank you for speaking to us tonight. Oh, Lord, we need thy word to minister, to minister unto us. Minister unto us. This wasn't just three men up here just having an opportunity to be exposed to the crowd and an opportunity to say a few words. These men were anointed, directed, and they spoke to our hearts from the word of God. I was strengthened tonight by this word. I was strengthened tonight by this word. Now turn to your neighbor and look him right in the eye and say, easy, bud. <laughs> How's God going to fulfill that in your life? Easy, bud. All you got to do is believe, have faith, and walk with God. He'll do everything else. That's what he was saying. God will open up the doors. God will take care of all of that. He'll open the doors in your life if you'll trust him. You don't have to push doors open. God does that for you. You just, you just walk with him. You just love him with all your heart and all your soul. Aaron, Petru, Chance, one more time. Thank you. Thank you. I want to tell you, these... Young men, and there's other young men coming up right out of this church that God has called to minister. We're fixing to send three more off to Bible school. Jonathan, would you stand? 
Jonathan's going, can you believe that? Jonathan's going to Bible school. And going with him is who? Daniel. Where's Daniel? Daniel, come out. Our drummer. Going to Bible school. And who's, who's the third one? Yomli. Where's Yomli? Not here tonight. Them girls, I tell you. Got all these faithful guys and the one girl's out running around. No, I'm kidding. Yomli's awesome, wonderful, and beautiful. Going to Bible school. We've got young men and women feel they're called to, to missions and working working towards that. Brother Roel, where are you at? Wave your hand. Feels his call to, to missions. Sister Mallory, wave your hand. Feels a call to missions. Sister Nanaka, Nyanka, not Nianka. Is it, is it Nye or Ni? Nye? Yeah, well, I said it right. They're always correcting me wrong back here, and I listen to them for some reason. Nianka. No, I'm kidding. Nianka. Feels her, call, feels her call to mission. Look what God is, and I know you're saying, I'm close. Look what God is doing in our midst. And you know where that comes from? It comes from faithful men and women of God that walk through those doors over and over and over again. No matter what's going on in your life, no matter the trouble you face, you walk through those doors, you lift your hands, and you worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And there's a group of young people that's watching and listening and paying attention, and it's getting a hold of their hearts. My hat's tipped off to every man and woman of God that stands in this building tonight. Thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for your love to God. It's, it's making an impact, making an impact. There's going to be preachers and teachers and evangelists and missionaries all over this country and all over this world. And they're going to come already there. There's already 20-something of them out there somewheres. And we're sending off batches and batches as we go. 20 more years, they'll just be all over the place. And it's because of faithful moms and dads and single men and women that have given their heart and their life to God and serving Him no matter what you face. Amen. Thank you for coming to Wednesday night. My Lord, guys, you blessed us. You touched us. What a, what a perfect word from these three fine gentlemen from the Lord Jesus Christ to you and I. Greet one another. Love one another. Be kind to one another. God bless you. You're dismissed in Jesus' name. Lift up one another. Pray for one another. Exalt one another. Speak well of one another.